Welcome to the Math Ed Podcast. My name is Sam Otten from the University of Missouri, and my guest returning today is Amanda Jansen, who's a professor in the School of Education at the University of Delaware. Amanda, thanks so much for being back. Thanks for having me, Sam. So uh, we're going to be talking about a new article that Mandy has written with Heather Galvan and Emily Miller, and it's available online in the Journal of Mathematics Teacher Education, and it's called Early Career Teachers Instructional Visions for Mathematics Teaching, Impact of Elementary Teacher Education. Kind of like your past episode, uh, that was episode 1707, where um, you and Don were talking about instructional practices that you could see from teachers who had graduated from your program uh, in their you know, first few years of teaching. Now you're looking at instructional vision. You had them in your elementary preparation program, and now you're looking in their first few years of teaching and tracing that idea of instructional vision. Um, so I want to just first ask you like, what draws you to studying this kind of thing, following teacher ed programs, and then going into the first few years of teaching? So it's exciting to work at the University of Delaware because we've had two rounds of funding from the National Science Foundation to investigate the work of our graduates once they're teaching in their jobs. And we have a series of articles where we've looked at their math content knowledge years later, uh, math knowledge for teaching, where we've looked at how they've written lesson plans, how um, they've analyzed video, you mentioned our article where we observed them teaching. And it was in the context of conducting the research for the Harvard Ed Review piece where we observed the, the teachers teaching, as first and second year teachers actually, mm-hmm. that um, we interviewed them about their practice as well. And there's a little bit of the interview data in that Harvard Ed Review paper. And since that was a, a few cases of teachers, it made me wonder... Was it the case that a lot of our graduates are talking about teaching for conceptual understanding like these case study teachers were? And after that first round of data collection with the teachers that we observed and interviewed, it made me want to do a survey of more of our graduates, how many of them talked about teaching in this way. And so that instructional vision study came out of wanting to understand how more of our graduates viewed teaching. What are their images for ideal math instruction? And it's another way of thinking about the residue from our program. Mm -hmm. What kind of teacher do they want to become? Mm -hmm. So what would you say was the main goal of this particular article? Was Was it just to kind of follow that curiosity, or did you have something that you were really hoping you could kind of really nail down with this article? So definitely following that curiosity, do more of our graduates think like these case study teachers thought, mm-hmm. but also as formative feedback for our program. So we haven't been systematically and purposefully saying, oh, this is an explicit goal, is holding a certain set of beliefs. I think it's been more implicit for us. And so it's a way to understand how the teachers were thinking about their practice, what's their ideal image of the kind of teacher they're wanting to become, and then we can use that as feedback to continue to improve uh, the courses that we have. It was formative, formative information for us. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've mentioned a few times the, the program, so I should let you say just a little bit about your program in case people aren't familiar with Delaware. So oh, sure. just a little bit of context for Thanks what... Thanks for that. Yeah. So I am a faculty member in the School of Education at the University of Delaware. And this is an elementary teacher education program where we have three mathematics content courses for teachers and one methods course for elementary teachers. And we have been systematically um, developing and improving the courses over time with funding for the National Science Foundation and then so the 
funding to study our graduates was then following up on that research and development work. So now the the big topic is instructional vision. So also to get, you know, help listeners all get on the same page, how do you think about what instructional vision means? And then how was it actually sort of like implemented in this study? What did instructional vision mean tangibly for the research here? Thanks for asking. So instructional vision is this sense of reach that you have of the type of teacher that you're hoping to become, the ideal uh, sense or view of the ideal sort of teaching you hope to enact. You may not be enacting your vision today, but it's what you're striving toward becoming. Mm. So it's not a bad thing if we're not enacting our vision and our visions can grow and change over time, but it gives us a sense of reach. In our case, our faculty have the sense that a good elementary mathematics teacher does enact teaching for conceptual understanding, but that could look and appear in lots of different forms in classrooms. So we do have this goal for them to teach mathematics in a way that it makes sense for kids. Mm -hmm. So we did have a a vision for them in that sense, but the nuances of what that could look like, Mm -hmm. it could actually vary. Yeah. And then in this study, how did you sort of operationalize instructional vision or how did you collect data that could give you some insight into that? Yeah. So we developed a questionnaire that asked them to think about, tell us what a good math teacher does. And the questioner also asked them about if they had always thought that that's what a good math teacher would do. The questions are in the appendix of the article, so I might not be getting them exactly right off the top of my head. (laughs) We also asked them if they thought their university was trying to promote a particular idea of what a good math teacher would do. Uh So when we asked them if we thought they always held this vision or not, if they said it changed, why did it change or what did they think influenced that change? I'm speaking with Mandy Jansen about her article in JMTE, uh, Early Career Teachers, Instructional Visions for Mathematics Teaching. The article really kind of has what I saw as two main parts. One was, first of all, just sort of like the lay of the land of their visions. Like, so you have your graduates, what's their vision? And then, you know, in their first couple years of teaching, what's their vision? What sort of differences were there in visions? But then it was also a question of, were there changes in vision? So I want to take each of those in turn. So first of all, just what kind of variety of mathematical instruction visions um, did you see? So when we were uh, looking at how they describe what it is to be a good math teacher, we identified various components in their definitions that seemed to come up across the participants. And we were able to use latent class analysis to determine um, if they tended to say some of the same pieces in co-occurrence and develop profiles for different types of visions that were appearing in the samples. There were three different profiles, and they weren't one-third, one-third, one-third. It was like one of the profiles was only held by 11% of that participants, for instance. Mm -hmm. So the most prominent profiles, the first two, were different ways of thinking about teaching mathematics for conceptual understanding. They both talked about having conceptual learning goals, but they had different approaches for how they wanted to get at it. So one of the profiles was thinking about teaching math for conceptual understanding and emphasizing um, multiple types of connections that you could make, like connections between multiple representations and connections between math and story problems. And the other profile was thinking about the importance of teaching for conceptual learning goals by facilitating children's thinking and having students engage in productive struggle. Mm. So these components are certainly each related to teaching math for conceptual understanding, but it wasn't the case that 
if a teacher talked about teaching math for conceptual understanding, they valued all of those pieces. So one profile emphasized one set of ideas related to teaching math for conceptual understanding. Another profile represented the other set. So it pushed me to think about, well, what does it mean for teaching math for conceptual understanding and what are these nuanced pieces? And it was interesting that different teachers took away different nuances related to teaching math for conceptual understanding. And those two profiles actually made up 89% of our sample. Mm -hmm. And so the third profile looked more like teachers would teach more with direct instruction and differentiate by putting students in groups and really targeting to direct instruction with the different groups who had different types of understandings. And that was a smaller percentage of our sample. And we felt that was least aligned with the vision that the faculty Mm -hmm. hoped they would hold for teaching mathematics. Mm -hmm. And now this is in response to questions that are from like University of Delaware people. So like, how did you think about the fact that, you know, Mm -hmm. you're asking them and they kind of know that, and I know you mentioned in the, when, in the protocol that you tried to separate out a little bit of their own vision and then what they think the university's vision or what they're looking for. But how do you also feel about the fact that even when they're saying their own vision, that they might be sort of tailoring their response because they know University of Delaware is kind of the one, oh, that's, the one that's asking. <laughs> sure. So are they telling us what we want, that what they think? Or are you worried about that at all? Or how did you feel about it when you were looking at it? It would actually be exciting if they knew that's what we wanted to hear. <laughs> so it's an open question of what they do when they actually teach day to day. So if they can talk the talk, that's an interesting start. Mm-hmm. That's why the study that we spoke about previously about watching our graduates yeah. teach was a powerful companion piece to this one. Mm-hmm. Certainly talking the talk is one aspect of developing a vision, but the fact that they didn't all talk the same, mm-hmm. I think was compelling for us. We also asked them what they thought the university was promoting, and they did talk about a lot of these similar components about teaching for conceptual understanding and engaging in productive struggle, but they didn't all recognize the same things either. Right. And in those three profiles, was there anything surprising or did that kind of, you know, you you did the technical analysis to kind of get those profiles to be revealed Mm -hmm. from the data, but was anything surprising about those or, or did they all kind of make sense? You're kind of nodding your head along as you saw them emerge. So it was surprising that so many of the participants talked the talk because Mm -hmm. We weren't grading them anymore, mm-hmm. even though they're from the University of Delaware and they knew that we cared about what they thought. They weren't required mm-hmm. to tell us that. And it was interesting that fewer participants than I expected actually mentioned the productive struggle piece. It, it was the second most common mm-hmm. profile. I thought more would mention that. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that the two profiles for conceptual understanding looked different. That was intriguing to mm-hmm. me. And then the other main part was about the change. So thinking about the influence of the teacher education program and whether that sort of uh, led to or was reported to have led to any kind of changes in the instructional vision, what did you find in that area? It's difficult to... So we looked at change because we wanted to try to find some way of claiming that their perspective on instructional vision had some residue related to teacher ed. And so we tried to do that in three ways. One... We compared their vision with our own intentions as a faculty. So that, if they reported aspects of a vision that resonated with us, okay, that's evidence, but that might not be convincing to other people. Mm -hmm. Another way we looked at change is self-report change. Did they say that their visions changed? And so a large proportion, more than half, did. But then we asked them to self-report why they thought their visions changed. And Mm -hmm. 
Only about a third said it was due to teacher ed. Sometimes said they said their vision changed and it was related to their teaching experiences. So they wouldn't all say it's teacher ed that changed their vision, even though we saw that it was aligned with us. And then the other way that we tried to see if, it, if their vision was related to teacher ed is we looked at how the participants described good math teaching and we looked at what they said about what teacher education promoted. And it often was the case that you'd see co-occurrence. If they reported that good math teaching involved engaging students in productive struggle, they would also say, oh, yeah, my teacher program promoted engaging students in productive struggle. And so that co-occurrence in both what they thought teacher ed promoted and what they valued, that's another way to think about if you have connections. There might be a possible linkage Mm -hmm. between those. So what's your personal reaction now when you kind of look from those different avenues Um, How do you feel about it, you know, as a teacher educator? Well, I feel as if definitely our graduates are getting a message that we want them to think about teaching as teaching for conceptual understanding. And it makes me wonder how, as a program, we could think about what it means to communicate a more coherent vision so that more graduates would take away more of the components of the things that we value. So as a group, we've been really thoughtful about our learning goals for our pre-service teachers in terms of the math knowledge for teaching and high-leverage instructional practices that we want them to take away from methods, for instance, like using talk moves to engage students in each other's reasoning. But there are other messages, like how much uh, students should be engaging in productive struggle and teachers' role in facilitating that, and there may be spaces where we could talk more about our learning goals as a group around components of these instructional visions. Mm-hmm. Do you see any implications? Now I'm going to kind of go outside Delaware. Delaware is pretty small, so at some point we have to <laughs> get outside of Delaware. <laughs> but do you see implications for just other teacher ed programs or other people who are kind of wondering about the impact of their own teacher ed program? You know, what would you say to those folks? Yeah, so we have asked ourselves all kinds of questions about how do we know that we're making a difference in the work of teachers, and so um, what sorts of data are folks interested in collecting from their graduates, and as they collect one source of data, what new questions arise for them? So how this vision question came out of my work observing uh, case studies of our graduates, then I had a new question about our graduates, and so for, for me, that's been very valuable to then go back and think about my methods class and what I would do. I've learned a lot actually from dialoguing with Katie Schwartz at Eastern Carolina University. Mm-hmm. She does some excellent work with asking her pre-service teachers to articulate what they think their vision could be with a lot of different strategies to help them get more specific mm-hmm. about their own vision over time. And I think there's more that um, I could do to help my pre-service teachers articulate their visions before they graduate. So that might be another space for folks is thinking about working with their pre-service teachers to articulate their visions. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm just really fascinated with the fact of having data from graduates, like as they go into their first years of teaching, because I feel like our field of math teacher education we study a lot of things about what we do with pre-service teachers. We're hosting PMNA this fall, and the biggest strand, you might know a little bit about this, the biggest strand for submissions was pre-service teacher education. Uh, and a lot of that is people talking about or investigating uh, what they're doing you know, with undergraduates. But for me, I would just love it if our field 
had a lot of this data from the graduates a few years out. And if we just had those across the whole country and we could start comparing, you know, well, you know, well, on this dimension or on this, you know, little phenomenon, how did your graduates look two years out? How did your graduates look three years out? Oh, I'm going to compare that to mine. I just feel like our whole field would be really enriched by having some sort of data that follows afterwards so that we could know as a field what the impact was and we could get better about, you know, what we're doing, that sort of thing. I think the conversation around shared learning goals and shared measures could be a conversation that people could have across universities. Because if we're talking about different dimensions that our graduates are performing well on, it would be interesting to say, okay, what is your goal for your graduates' math knowledge for teaching, uh, multiplication of fractions in your elementary mm-hmm. teacher ed- education program? How are you decomposing the various understandings for that? And if we had a shared set of goals around that in various elementary teacher education mm-hmm. programs, and then we had a shared measure for looking at their thinking mm-hmm. and maybe lesson planning mm-hmm. and their instruction years later, mm-hmm. we could all be getting different kinds of data and comparing and contrasting. And then we mm-hmm. could be having a different conversation about how to improve our practice yeah. ultimately and how to help them improve Right, and there would still be a lot of freedom for teacher education programs to choose which goals mm-hmm. they, they were that were important for their program. So like, you know what, sure. in our program, we really think this MKT is very important, mm-hmm. but another program might take a different a- a- angle and say, you know, this empowerment of students' identities is really more important, so that's what we're going to focus on, which would totally be within their rights. Teams could but, collaborate Yeah, but then we could still share. share with kind of um, common resources to be able to, like, yeah, talk coherently with one another. Mm-hmm. We don't all have to be on the same page, but if we have some things in common, we could, you know, talk more productively if we had what you're kind of talking about. But I just, you know, I feel like we have a lot of data about what we do while the future teachers are with us. And I, don't, I, I feel like as our field, we don't have enough data about what happens a few years afterward. So I think that's why I've enjoyed you know, these interviews with you, because you and your team are really looking at those first few years out. It's and, been exciting to work at Delaware, where people have been investing in following our graduates, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I know others are probably doing this, and I might just be ignorant of some of them. So definitely reach out if you, you know, or leave a comment under this episode if you are also part of a program that is doing this. But uh, I think it's really exciting for the field to start following forward like this. Thanks. Um, Another thing that you are uh, interested in, and I don't want to let you off of here without asking you about it, is rough draft thinking and just the idea of rough drafts in mathematics. You know, a lot of people might think of rough drafts just always in writing or in, you know, English class or something like that. But you've been really pioneering or, or giving a lot of energy towards this idea of rough drafts. So I wanted to just, basically I just wanted to get an update on the book that I know you're working on related to rough draft thinking. Thank you so much. <laughs> so rough draft thinking comes out of the work of Douglas Barnes, who uh, has worked with teachers on exploratory talk. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to do a study group with secondary teachers in Delaware reading chapters from a book called Exploring Talk in School. And as we work together on what it might look like to structure our math classrooms so students would have exploratory talk opportunities, teachers in Delaware decided that it would make more sense for their students to use the phrase rough draft talk because rough drafts have a meaning for Mm -hmm. kids. And the term itself, rough draft talk, has a lot of exploratory power. Mm -hmm. So if you just do something as simple as say, it's fine, just share your rough drafts, Mm -hmm. students feel liberated to start sharing their thinking. You can position 
in-progress ideas as worth learning from so more students can be positioned as competent mathematical thinkers. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. So I've been able to spend a few years learning from teachers who have played with, used, developed the idea of rough drafts in their math class. Mm. So I'm working on a book called Rough Draft Math that will be forthcoming from Stenhouse mm. Publishers, mm. and it will have about six chapters, and they are all drafted in some form, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm revising them. I'm yeah, revising my drafts. <laughs> yes, so it's a little yeah. ironic to have a final draft of a book called <laughs> Rough Draft Math, but it's pretty exciting to have the opportunity. So I view this book as curating the ideas that teachers have shared with me about how they've found rough drafts be useful in their classroom. So I'm trying to honor and amplify the voices and experience of teachers who have really been teaching me about what it means to use rough drafts in math class. Yeah. And if people are interested, I would recommend following Mandy on Twitter at MandyMathEd because you and the teachers and the various people in the math ed community will share rough draft things. It's fun to see, like, sometimes an image will pop up and be like, hey, we did this rough draft thing in class, it went like this, and then you'll respond on there, great to hear it. Like, so you can maybe get some preview glimpses of things in the book, maybe, by the your, your Twitter timeline. <laughs> I'm really honored that teachers have been excited about playing with the idea of rough drafts all over the country, and some of the teachers have participated in Google Hangout interviews with me, sharing what they've been able to do with their students, and I've learned so much from teachers. Yeah. Well, Mandy, thanks so much for uh, coming here and talking about all of this. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Sam.